the security world marvels at work of art hack, and the lowdown on New Zealand's Privacy Act 2020. These stories and more in this week's ISMG's Security Report. Hi, I'm Anna Delaney. A Google Project Zero researcher left the security world awestruck this week as he revealed an iOS exploit which could have let hackers hijack your iPhone without even touching it. Across the media, the discovery of the vulnerability has been referred to as a work of art. Incredible, stunning, unreal. But take note, this is very real. Matthew Schwartz, ISMG's executive editor of Data Breach Today and Europe, shares cogent analysis of the story. Good news on the security front. Apple has bashed what could have been a nightmare iOS worm on its head. Until May, all Apple iOS devices, including all iPhones and iPads, were vulnerable to a zero-click exploit that would have allowed hackers to remotely gain complete control of a device and steal all photos, messages, and more. No input from victims would have been required. Even worse, the exploit could have been made wormable, meaning that one infected device would then try to infect any other infected device within range. Apple patched the vulnerabilities in May with the release of iOS version 13.5. Credit for discovering the flaws goes to Ian Beer, a security researcher with Google Project Zero. That's a small group at the technology giant that hunts for unknown flaws in software. If it finds any, it notifies the developer and typically gives them 90 days to fix the problem before Google publicly releases the vulnerability details. In this case, Beer says he devoted six months of his time to finding the underlying vulnerabilities and building working exploits to take advantage of them. One of the base flaws existed in Apple's Wireless Direct Link, or AWDL, which iOS uses for its AirDrop file sharing, as well as for AirPlay, which allows you to stream music and video to nearby devices, as well as for local gaming connections. In a video demonstrating his exploit, Beer is able to brute force the AWDL interface, then upload an implant that bootstraps the installation of a larger implant, which then provides full takeover. Total elapsed time is about two minutes. Equipment required is a Mac laptop plus a Raspberry Pi computer. This runs Beer's Linux exploit, i.e. malware, as well as drivers for his Wi-Fi dongles. Beer's demo attack only works within 200 feet or so of a victim. If there's one thing to take away from Beer's research, it's that users should always keep their devices and applications updated. Notably, when Apple released the fix, it didn't say exactly what it was fixing, because this might have given attackers a way to exploit the flaw before people had widely patched. Another takeaway is that while this solo researcher took six months to refine his exploit, more well-resourced teams, such as nation-state hacking groups, could have moved much more quickly. Beer says that with additional investment, his exploit could have been conducted not in just two minutes, but just a few seconds. And instead of the attack having a maximum range of 200 feet or so, attackers could have amplified their signals and hacked devices from much farther away. So Beer's discovery reads like a mission statement for Google Project Zero. Namely, small flaws in widely used products can be compromised by attackers to target millions of users. The answer to how to fix this is cleaner code. 
And Beer says firms such as Apple should expand the size of the in-house teams they've set up to hunt for flaws in their existing code bases. So long as code bugs exist in these tech stacks, attackers can potentially find new ways to target and take over devices, spy on users, and steal data. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Peter Steiner's oft-quoted cartoon adage, on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, perfectly captures the identity challenge still over 25 years after it was first published in The New Yorker. One cybersecurity company that's tackling the identity predicament is iProof, which provides biometric identity authentication of online users. Nick Holland, ISMG's Director of Banking and Payments, spoke with iProof's founder and CEO, Andrew Budd, about today's challenges around identity proofing. Here's Bud with his thoughts. Identity proofing has been undergoing over the last two, three years a major shift from either various forms of in-person checks that people would move into, would go into a branch or into an office and they'd have their documents checked and an employee would look the person in the face and they'd fondle their documents to see if they were real or not. And there would be some sort of authenticity check on the document and there would be a very clear in-person authenticity check on the person. There's been a rapidly accelerating move online to remote onboarding and that has been turbocharged by covid because all the offices shut so today there are two problems in identity proofing one is remotely figuring out whether a document is authentic or not and the other is figuring out whether a person is authentic or not and in both cases technology has created some increasingly formidable challenges to that and Uh, The third axis of this is increasing regulatory pressure from regulators whose sense of humour about lax identity proofing, making it easy to engage in money laundering and fraud on a large scale. Regulators' sense of humour has dwindled somewhat and fines of in the billions have been levied on organisations that uh, took a slightly lighthearted approach to these things. So the nexus of changes in user behaviour from in-person to online, pressure from regulators to crack down on money laundering, driven by, I think, an understanding that Money laundering is not just another financial crime. It's the way that very large criminal gangs finance themselves. It's the way that whole nation states finance themselves. And therefore, the scale of the problem is enormous, much bigger than people thought. The resources applied by criminal organizations to accomplishing it successfully are enormous. And therefore, it's a huge and destabilizing societal problem, just as technology is making it so much easier to forge both documents and people. And finally, New Zealand's highly anticipated updated Privacy Act came into force this week, in line with the global trend that's seeing regulators taking a tougher stance on privacy and data protection. So what does this mean for organisations? ISMG's Jeremy Kirk, Managing Editor of Security and Technology, describes some of the most significant changes under the new Act. This week, New Zealand's refreshed Privacy Act came into effect. The Privacy Act of 2020 replaces a 27-year-old law that hasn't kept up with the times. The new act introduces a mandatory breach notification requirement, civil penalties, and holds data handlers to higher responsibilities. One of the most significant changes is that organizations that have a breach are required to notify the Office of the Privacy Commissioner and those affected. Before, notification was not mandatory, although the Privacy Commissioner encouraged reporting. But the act doesn't have the same teeth as either the European Union's General Data Protection Regulation or the California Consumer Privacy Act 
Organizations that fail to report a breach can only be fined a maximum of $10,000 New Zealand dollars, which is about $7,000 U.S. While that max fine seems low, data breach victims can bring a class action to New Zealand's Human Rights Review Tribunal. That tribunal can award damages based on violations of the Privacy Act. And the maximum the tribunal can award is $350,000 New Zealand dollars per person. The new act also addresses a point that has been chafing regulators. Overseas companies that provide services to New Zealanders have often ignored the country's privacy laws. The act will now apply to all companies that do business in New Zealand, no matter where those firms are based. The Privacy Commissioner notes that, quote, this will cover businesses such as Google and Facebook. Organizations can transfer data overseas as long as the receiving company is bound by data regulations that are close to New Zealand's new law. Also, companies that use cloud services must ensure that those services handle data in accordance with the law. Another change is that New Zealanders have the right to access their personal information that's held by an organization. If an organization refuses a valid request, the Privacy Commissioner can issue what's called an access direction. Failure to comply with the direction means the organization can be fined. Other privacy principles have also been updated. For example, organizations are only supposed to collect data if it's needed for a demonstrated purpose, a practice known as data minimization. New Zealand's changes are likely going to be easy to comply with. Two years on from GDPR, many companies have tuned their privacy practices to emerging legislation around the world. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it from ISMG's Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.